My name is Chris Carlson from Australian Fund Monitors and today we're talking to David Franklin from the Argonaut Natural Resources Fund. David, good afternoon. Well, thanks, Chris, and, and thanks for the opportunity to have a, have a chat today. So, um, so firstly, Argonaut. Argonaut um, the Argonaut Group uh, is Perth-based. It consists of a transaction-based stockbroking business, a corporate advisory business, and the funds management business. The funds management business started in, um, in, in January 2020 um, with the launch of the Argonaut Natural Resources Fund. Um, and, and what that focuses on is, um, is the Australian resource sector. We can invest from the small companies up to the big companies and really leverages off um, Argonaut's position as a specialist in the resources space. And you're based in WA. Does that give you a specific benefit or advantage and edge as far as being where the action is? What Western Australia is fortunate to have is, is a broad spread of commodities. So, you know, particularly a lot of the energy transition type commodities. So, you know, lithium, uh, nickel, a bit of copper, um, um, et cetera. So, you know, so that, um, uh, you know, that's a real advantage where the companies are based here. We can, we can get access to management very easily and it helps us stay on top of top of the stories. If you look at the Australian market, you know, the resource sector probably accounts for something like 25%. So it's a relatively small part of the wedge of, of the equities market. And then when you take out stocks like BHP, Rio, FMG and, and the oil and gas stocks, you know, it narrows even further. So um, so what you've got is, uh, is companies exposed to commodities like copper and nickel and lithium that aren't broadly covered and, uh, and there's still some opportunity there, and that's really what we focus on. We don't exclude anything, um, but um, um, you know, we're, what we're focused on is the commodities that we think will do best, and then the companies that produce that commodity. And I think we're going from a, from a history where the resource sector was dominated, particularly by iron ore and coal, to one where I think the opportunities over the next decade to two decades are gonna be in those energy transition metals. Um, and so, um, so that's really where we're focused. Now, when we take a positive view on iron ore, you know, we'll look at BHP and Rio, et cetera. Um, but we see better opportunities in some of the other in some of the other commodities. Is this just a whole change in the dynamics of resources and energy? Well, uh, you know, we see it as a multi-decade um, transition. It's going to take uh, a long period of time, but ignore climate change, decarbonisation, you know, at your peril. And um, it's you know Australia has really lagged globally, you know, a commitment to, uh, to to that energy transition, and I think we're now being pushed, kicking and screaming down that path, and really following you know the trends of the uh, of the EU, you know, China, um, the US, um, you know, now we're coming on board, so so we think that's positive. Um, it's going to take time, you know, to achieve the decarbonisation that needs to happen. Um, a lot of investment needs to go into renewable energies areas like um, uh, possibly nuclear um, and uh, and the move out of uh, fossil fuels you know I think firstly coal and then down the track um, you know gas and gas and oil so it's going to take some time to get there and I think it's going to really require a mix of, um, of technologies and a mix of solutions uh, and that's going to take decades um, and that's where we think the opportunity is how does the portfolio actually look is it broad based is it concentrated what the process involved? What we try and do is have a very disciplined process. 
So we look at three sort of high level things. We look at the market and what's happening in the market. We look at macro, so the key themes that are that we think will impact on the resource sector. And then we sort of do the, the bottom up, you know, micro analysis of, of companies. Looking at the market, you know, we have, um, you know, we, we, we recognise that the performance of the resource stocks in part will be driven by what the market's doing. So, you know, the last month or two has been a good example of that, where we started to see with interest rates going up, there was some risk, while resources we thought was better placed than, for example, the tech sector and most of the industrials, we recognised in a sell-off that the market in general would be hit. So what we did is we boosted our cash, we moved from some of the smaller cat stocks that were in into bigger, bigger cat companies, you know, looking for liquidity and quality. And that's kind of where we sit now. So our cash is a bit higher. From there, we then say, well, you know, at the macro level, what are the key long-term uh, resilient themes that we think um, will drive the resource market? Notwithstanding, there might be some short-term hiccups and some, some volatility, but where do you want to place your money for the next decade? And, you know, and clearly we've talked about energy transition. We see that as, as a fundamental driver. But the second aspect is, is really around geopolitical risk and what's ha happening uh, globally as far as the growth of the Chinese uh, economy, you know, the tensions between China and, and, uh, and the US um, and, and the different political systems, the autocracies versus the democracies and, and, and also, you know, the, the religious, um, you know, conflicts. So without sort of going into those in specific detail, what we're saying is there's going to be tension, there's going to be uncertainties caused by those, and we also want to factor that into the portfolio. So, so what that comes, what that drives down to then is what are the commodities that we think are going to do best? And so we, we think on the energy transition, the three you really want to be in is copper, nickel and lithium. Um, the areas you want to be in for geopolitical risk is, um, is particularly gold. Um, but then you also need some flexibility. And I think what's happened in Ukraine, you know, and Russia is a good example of that. But from a from a from an investment perspective, you know, it's really brought oil and gas into the into the forefront. So so in our portfolio, you know, we, we've increased increased our exposure there. So so once we've identified the commodities we want exposure to, it's then looking for the best quality, best value companies. So for example, in in copper. Um, you know, we like Oz Minerals. It probably trades at a slight premium to most of the global copper stocks. But when you look at the quality of the management, um, the, the, the long-term production outlook, the mine life, uh, you know, it's really a standout. Um, we've sold off some of our smaller copper exposures and we've just bought into, um, into Solgold, which is a Ecuadorian-based um, uh, copper project, which uh, is really a, a tier one project. Ecuador is, you know, has been through an election in the last couple of years. They're now a pro mining. Um, Solgold has has Newcrest and BHP on the register, so we kind of like that. Um, uh, when you when you look at nickel, we focus on particularly on uh, the, the Cambalda region of WA, which is which is um, you know high grade, um, and also own um, a, a developer in in Brazil called um, Centaurus. On the, on the lithium side, I think that's a really fascinating market just because there's so many moving parts. You know, it's a small market and the actual market for lithium is going to increase by a multiple of four or five times over the next, you know, five to ten years. And so, um, uh, so you've got a lot of uncertainty in the market about how quickly, you know, EVs will take market share and therefore drive demand for, for lithium. 
Uh, you've got a big disparity between contract prices and spot prices. So again, when you're doing your cash flow models, what number do you factor in there? Um, but I think the key is demand for lithium will remain very strong for a long period of time. And I, I guess the overarching point to make on, on commodities in general is it takes a long time to bring a new mine into production. Um, and uh, and demand for most of those commodities is, is going to increase very rapidly. So there's always going to be this tension where uh, supply is struggling to keep up with demand, and that's providing some pricing um, some pricing support. The the final point I'd make is um, is I think perhaps where the opportunity has been in the last year is that is that um, consensus commodity prices forecasts have been well below spot. And I think you're starting to see a re-rating and, and a reassessment of what commodity prices might look in the long term. But I think there's probably been um, um, a bit of an opportunity there where the market was under underestimating what commodity prices will look like in the future. What are the constraints on actual portfolio construction? Um, look, where you know we see we see the fund as being high conviction, so we can tip, we can hold between 15 and 25 stocks. Typically, we're sitting around 20. 20 stocks. Um, as far as percentage weightings, um, normally they're between sort of four and eight percent. Um, we can go as high as 15 percent as a maximum weighting. Um, typically, we don't try and hold positions less than four percent. So if something's in the portfolio at less than that, it's either because it's on its way in or it's on its way out. We, we can't hold more than 30 percent of the portfolio in any one commodity. Um, we can have uh, up to 25 or 20% of the portfolio in um, overseas stocks that are listed on a major exchange. So we try to be, um, you know, we're, we're trying to manage risk in an area of the market, you know, that's probably higher risk than, than some other areas. So let's turn to actual performance. Uh, it's been a pretty positive time for the resources and the small resources sector during, during that period. Uh, how's the fund performed? In the in the twelve months to the end of April, the fund is up seventy two percent, and uh, and since commencement, which was in January twenty twenty, uh, we're up one hundred and eighty seven percent. So um, uh, so look, we've been really pleased with the performance, and you know I I, I think what's also been encouraging is um, you know I think we've outperformed uh, in you know in something like you know eighty percent of the months. Uh, we've outperformed the index, and the index we compare ourselves against is ASX 300 resources. Um, so that's been good. Um, and uh, we've outperformed in both up markets and in down markets. Um, so, so that's been good. Um, and we haven't relied on any particular company to provide the majority of the performance, which you can often see when funds are relatively small and, uh, and building. It's been really interesting talking to you. We look forward to following uh, your success. Uh, as the months go by. Thank you. Great. Thanks for your time, Chris. Yeah.